Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, it's a great place, right? Oh, man. When our brother came up and played the guitar and started singing in Spanish, I was like the frog on Taco Mile. That was unexpected. Oh, man, and you had that wave of the spirit just hit you, right? Oh, it was so intense, man. I love it. I've got to calm down. So, hey, if you would open up your Bibles to Exodus 3. What a privilege to be here Privilege for Pastor Mike to allow me to jump in the middle of this series here and, and, and uh, share with you guys. Privilege to be at Ray of Hope, man, right? Yeah, privilege to be at a church who, who wants to be involved in our community. I was sharing with Pastor Mike this morning, and I, I got a little excited again. I said, it's so wonderful to do announcements, right? Because it shows that we have a live stream at our church. We believe in women's conferences and going to schools and bringing backpacks and going to lunches and doing these different things that we wouldn't be just a church in a cow pasture, right? But we would be the city set upon a hill that infiltrates its city, claiming souls for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, man. Bringing this ray of hope, bringing this man named Jesus into the schools, into the businesses, and into our city and our region. Amen. Let's give God a hand of praise. Yeah. I love it. And I'm going to calm down. We're going to read some scripture. How does that sound? Right? You didn't come to hear me scream. Yeah. Okay. It's Exodus 3, chapters, or verses 3 through 6. Maybe I shouldn't have drank so much coffee. I don't, I don't know. Okay. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your sandals of your feet. For the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the Lord, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Would you bow with me? Father, we love you as we break bread this morning, God. Visit us. Speak to our hearts, God. Wonderful worship, wonderful worship cultivated our hearts and got us ready. Now, God, let us respond to that, God. Hide your word in our hearts that we may meditate upon it, God, and forever be changed. And everybody says... Amen, amen. Today I want to share two keys with you that I believe that will help us find success in navigating the unknown. Now, navigating the unknown means so many things to many different people. It might mean retirement for some. How do I get ready? How do I prepare? That's looming. Uh, maybe at, even at my age at 36, what does that look like 30 years from now? If, if we get to retire, then I don't, I don't know. We'll see, you know. Uh, it might look like, well, high school's coming. I'm moving from junior high to high school. I'm moving from high school to college. I'm moving from college into the workforce. What does this look like? What does it look like? God's got me changing positions, or maybe it might be a financial issue or a a health issue. There's so many different things that the unknown uh, may look like. But this is what we do know, that God wants us to be successful as we're navigating the unknown waters, right? As we navigate the strange seas of life, He wants to be there beside us to ensure that we find the success. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So two keys that we want to concentrate on this that I really believe scream to me from this small text.
text of Moses. Now, to catch you guys up, many of you guys know the story of Moses. For the you who may not, I want to catch up. We know Moses means drawn out of the water when he was just a child. His mom put him in a basket to save him from the Egyptians, put him in a river. Uh, he floated by the Egyptians' uh, royalty. They brought him out of the water and said, we want to raise him as ours. Um, he grew up in the palace, had basically every amenity that you could ever ask for for that time and period. And then one day he goes out and he is a Hebrew by birth and he sees the Hebrews being mistreated by the Egyptians because the Egyptians had enslaved the Hebrews. Goes out and sees this uh, injustice happening, gets mad, kills the guy, buries him in the sand, doesn't think anything about it till the next day, walks up to two Hebrews that are fighting and says, what are you guys doing? Why are you guys punching each other in the face? And they said, hey, what's it any business of yours, man? Are you just going to kill us and bury us in the sand? Yeah, Moses gets scared and flees Egypt. Pharaoh hears about it. He flees. And then he goes to a place called Midian where he meets a woman, marries her, and uh, he is uh, tending sheep when all these things happen. Actually, he's tending his his father-in-law's flock, Jethro's flock. And uh, he sees the burning bush, turns aside, as Scripture says, and then begins to have a dialogue with the burning bush. It's pretty interesting stuff, right? So, uh, strange things happen sometimes. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, it's what we're going to do to respond. So, the first thing that I want to uh, bring out, the first key that I think to be, su- be successful is, listen, do not be alarmed. When you're walking through the unknown, do not be alarmed. Take a deep breath and concentrate on what draws us near or closer to God. Okay? Concentrate on those things that would put us in a position where we're close to God. Sir Hal Cain uh, was the author of a book called Scapegoat. Uh, F.W. Borum wrote a, a short essay called The Quest. And he used a passage from that book, and I would like to do that this morning. And in that, he talks of the book, is, is, is centers around a, a man named Israel that moved to Morocco. And he was a Jew in the middle of Muslims, and he didn't feel accepted, and he felt kind of pushed out. And uh, on top of all of that, he wasn't in his home country and these different things. And then he marries the love of his life. And in this book, he marries the love of his life. His love, love of his life passes away while they're giving birth to their young lady named Naomi. Okay? Naomi is born. She cannot speak. She cannot hear. She cannot see. So you can imagine the communication problems. The story goes on as Naomi grows up. He gives her everything that he possibly can because uh, despite being a foreigner, despite these different things, he does have wealth in the land. And as Naomi gets older and his loneliness grows missing their mom. He would wake up in the middle of the night and see a beautiful young lady in a white robe, which was his daughter, stand beside the bed. And this happened night after night after night, and he he didn't understand what was going on because of the communication difficulties, because of those setbacks. He said, is she tired? Is she hungry? Maybe she's hurting. Is there, I don't know how to communicate what's going on. And night after night, and finally one night it dawned on him as Naomi came near the bed, He found out that's what she had come out of her bedroom. Walked up the staircase down the hallways because to her noonday was as midnight because she could not see. But the drive in her was so strong that she had to get beside the bed. And the drive was this, that I have to be near him and he has to be near me. And as I think about that story, I think about navigating the unknown, and I think about, isn't that just a wonderful word picture of our life with Jesus? 
God, I don't see how you see. I don't think how you think. I don't even always say what you would say. But God, there's one thing that I know. I have to be near you. I have to be beside you. I have to search you out. And then when you're navigating the unknown, you have those times that are scary, those times that trouble looms. But I'm here to tell you this morning, don't be alarmed because God told us that these things would happen. He told us that there will be times like this. And in those times, we have to make up our mind that maybe I need to worship a little louder, right? Maybe I need to worship a a little longer. Maybe I need to pray a little longer. Maybe I need to pray a little bit more intense when I pull out my Bible. Maybe I need to concentrate harder and seek and desire that God would speak to me because I'm navigating waters. Because listen to me, folks, He has got us on a path and it is for our success. Amen? And He wants to work through us. He wants people to look out and say, my goodness, can God really do that through a bunch of hillbillies? <laughs> well, yes, he can. <laughs> Not that you're hillbillies, okay? You guys, most of you guys didn't come from the hills, but you are rednecks. Most of you guys, come on, go on, right? Right, all right, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, all right, okay. But we got to pray harder, and it's in those times where we, we won't get what we think we deserve when we deserve it, right? It doesn't mean we don't need it and we won't get it, it's just timing, And as I look through Scripture, how do I know that I'm drawing near Christ? How do I know? I think the first thing that jumps out to me is is Moses turned aside to see the burning bush. He, He made a conscious decision. He made a decision to see what this thing is. And I wonder how many people drive down Highway 81. And and the people who are plugged into a church who are trying, doing all the things that they need to to feel close to God, they get the pass. But I wonder how many people drive down 81 and see, see this burning bush, so to speak, see this city set upon a hill, see Ray of Hope in the middle of a cow pasture and keep driving. They don't turn aside to see. Or, or for that matter, you could put any church in that blank and they don't turn aside to see what God's doing because they haven't made a conscious decision to do it. I wonder how many times in my life God has put something in my path and because I've ignored it maybe. Because I wasn't paying attention through spiritual eyes, I missed what God was trying to reveal to me, what he was trying to bring my attention to. We have to make the decision now. Listen, whenever we're navigating these waters, remember this little phrase, halt, H-A-L-T. If you're hungry, if you're angry, if you're lonely, or if you're tired, those are really the prime times to make mistakes. We'll make choices and decisions in those times that we won't make when everything is steady. Does that make sense? And in the unknown, we, and it's not always because provision is not being uh, provided for us through food. Sometimes we are fasting and praying and seeking God. Which direction would you have me go? But it still means I'm hungry. Sometimes we withdraw and we get in a place where we can be in solitude with Christ and He can speak to our hearts, right? Some of those long nights as we're navigating the unknown, we wake up at 2, 3, 1 o'clock in the morning and, and we don't pace the hall, maybe out of anxiety, more out of God. I'm trying to find your direction. But boy, we're still tired that next day sometimes, right? It's hard. So in those times... Halt. Remember, halt. Am I, in a, am I in that situation? I might need to take a break from that. Maybe in those times I need to make a conscious decision whenever I pray. I'm not just going to pray for myself. I'm going to intentionally pray for my community. 
I'm going to intentionally pray for other people. Maybe the prayer that I pray has nothing to do with me outside of God. I'm glad I get to speak to you. And then everything else is about somebody else. You see, when we do that, we put ourselves in position, right? And not necessarily backing God in a corner because you can't do that. But boy, if you will honor him and honor the things that he honors, he will honor you. That's what his word says. Amen. Amen. In drawing near to God, we also need to realize, start navigating. Listen, we're not going to know all the answers. I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of a planner. Anybody else in here planners? You know, how many of you guys, let me ask this, how many of you guys just fly by the seat of your pants? Like whatever tomorrow brings, kuna matata, baby. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Bless you. I'm going to sprinkle some water on you because I'm, I just, you know, it's hard for me. I got to know, man. I got to know. I was talking to a pastor about this morning. I said, so I got to know. Like, like, but this is the thing. You're not going to know everything. It's actually the faith that wells up within inside of us. And, and, and this is the cool part about it. Whenever we don't have all the answers, whenever we don't know everything, and we step out, we're activating our faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if I'm not using faith, I'm not pleasing God. So God, I'm going to step out on the unknown and not really know what's going on. And then it puts me in a place where I please God. Woo! That's good news, man. Right? Because those who please him, he knows that he can trust. Then will I pour blessings upon them, right? That, that heaped over. Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, you will seek me and find me. As you seek me, you'll find me. And the end of the verse, verse says this, I will be found by you. What a wonderful promise. You will seek me and you will find me. And I will be. It's not a game of hide and go seek with God. He's not in a corner waiting for somebody to stumble across to him. He's in a place where he's saying, listen, I want to be found by you. Mark 16 and 17 says this, and these signs will accompany those who believe. So I step out on faith and I walk in prayer and I believe what the Bible teaches us about laying on hands of the sick and praying over campuses and different things like that. Praying over your businesses or your families. And God, you said that these signs will accompany those who believe. So I'm going to step out and watch these signs come alongside me. It's not the signs. You go out first and I'm going to follow you. Of course, that would be nice, right? Okay? But it's not always like that. We've got to make sure that we are walking. Now, now this is another thing, okay? Another way that we know that we draw near to Christ in the scripture that we can extract is, listen, Moses worked against, worked against the tendencies of his weakness. He didn't just fall every time. The first time that he made a mistake and, got afra- and was afraid, what did he do? He fled. This time in Scripture, he's, he's watching his father's flock. He has every excuse to leave, so to speak, right? God's trying to get his attention. He's in the middle of provision. He's maybe got to impress the in-laws. Anybody else sometimes want to impress the in-laws, right? You got to? All right, maybe you grow out of that, but eventually, you know. <laughs> uh, and and he, he's got all these excuses, right? But yet he turns aside. He turns aside, and, and he begins to... And, and what he does is he says... I'm not going to run this time. And the scripture says what about Moses? It says that he was afraid. So what he did is instead of giving in to his tendency to be weak, to run and go hide, he said, no, I want to stay here and find out what this thing's all about. Whenever we're navigating the unknown, don't fight against those tendencies to be weak. 
There's a story of a great javelin thrower. He was, a, he, he was in the Paralympics and he was blind. I heard him at an FFA convention several years ago and he made the joke. He said, if you want everybody to pay attention, give a blind guy a javelin. <laughs> he said, you got all kinds of people's attention, man. He, he throws it once and it goes out of bounds. Throws it again and he scratches or it goes out of bounds. And he's down to his third time, he said. But he said he remembered going down into the basement of his house and punching a punching bag to work out. And about the time he thought his adversaries had quit, he kept punching. And about the time he thought he had built up a little bit over his adversaries, he just kept punching and kept working and kept working. About the time he thought everybody else maybe went to sleep, he kept working the bag and kept working the bag. And that final throw, I believe he broke a record. But he brought it back. And see, that's what we do. Whenever we work against our tendencies to quit, whenever we work against our tendencies to be stingy, whenever we work against our tendencies to to be lazy, to not put the effort that we need to, and we all fall there, right? Everybody has their issues. we got to remember, whenever we put that work into it, then we become like that great javelin thrower. That no, I've put way too much work into this to back up now. I remember. So yesterday, right? So little things. So does anybody else have an issue maybe being stingy sometimes? Anybody? No, you guys are holy. Okay. One. Okay. Okay. I'm, I, okay. So this is the thing. I have a tendency to be stingy. So yesterday I bought some decaffeinated K, uh, K, uh, K cups. I brought them over to my mother-in-law's house. And I opened up the box and there was 12 of them in there. And I'd been dealing with this all week. You know how it goes. And I poured out eight of the K-cups because I was going to keep four. Yeah. I bought the box. (laughs) So I wound up, long story short, what I do, I put the K-cups in there because I have a tendency to be stingy. Yesterday we're at Sonic and we buy lunch for our family. And two car hops come out to deliver our order. But I'm only used to leaving one tip. (laughs) Come on. It's small stuff, but, but hey, God's, now God says in the Old Testament, he loves to see things begin, right? So I'll leave two tips. But you have to start working against these tendencies. I was a horrible tipper. My wife had to teach me that. I got tipped a quarter. What is everybody complaining about? You know? I'm not out there weeding. Somebody comes up and hands me a dollar. You know? Oh, I know. I, hey, just being honest. So I've had, I've had to slide that ticket over to Mary. You can ask her. It's bad. It's bad. I just cover my eyes. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I've gotten to the point where I'm like, hey, let's, let's leave a good tip here. Uh, let, let's do this, okay? So you've got to work against these, these tendencies. One of the greatest ones that I hear all the time is, I'm tired of eating out. In our culture, all we do is eat now. Well, brother, go put on an apron. <laughs> Get into the kitchen, baby, and see what kind of pancakes you can come up with, right? Yeah, yeah. Ronnie told me it's okay to put on an apron because if men wear aprons, our wives will want us and fish will fear us. I said, okay, give me a half a dozen then, okay? I, I need a half a dozen. I need a half a dozen. Okay, let's, just kidding. Just kidding. He didn't tell me that, but he does agree with me, okay? But, but listen, whenever we position ourselves like that, what we do is we no longer back away from our foe. We don't back away from our weakness. Instead, we step up to the plate and say, listen, God is with me. Who can be against me? I understand there's waters and seas that I don't know about. I don't have to have all the answers, but I'm going to fight the fight. Amen? Now, this is the great thing, the promise that we get whenever we choose consciously to draw closer to God. This is the promise. The promise behind drawing near or being close. James 4 and 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalms 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. 
Malachi 3 and 7, such a great scripture. For the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Now listen, listen to this. Return to me and I will return to you. Draw close to me and I will draw close to you. This all-seeing, all-knowing God. David Crowder, such a beautiful song, but he puts it like this. He says, we're a tree and whenever we feel the wind and the mercy and the grace, we begin to bend under it because it's like a hurricane. It's like this sloppy, wet kiss that we're completely unexpecting. It's kind of like when Hiro and the worship team came up. Whoa. And that's what we encounter when we draw near. Matter of fact, Paul puts it like this. He says, this God that, God that we draw near to, Ephesians 3 and 8, has unsearchable riches. Dr. Randall Harris, a great scholar, said this, that, that he translated it and he said it's an explorable riches. How many of you guys have been watching Shark Week this week? Any Shark Week people? Yeah, dude, it's been like date night at the Chambers house, man. Right? Yeah, man, those people get down the shark cages. No, I'm on my couch drinking tea or something, not watching you. You, cinematographer, go down there. No. And they do. They're like millionaires, but I just don't think a million dollars is worth fighting a shark, right? I just don't. They do it. But Shark Week, the, the ocean is, uh, you've got all these marine biologists, all these scientists and PhDs, yet they still say so much of the ocean is unexplored. Sounds like Christianity. We've got a church on every corner, we've got theologians everywhere. Yet every time we dig into the Word, it feeds our souls, and there's so much that's unexplored. Oh, we have an idea. Oh, but when our spirit connects with His, it's unexplorable riches. As I begin to make that conscious decision and begin to walk, even though I don't have the answers, I find out in the story of Naomi, right, that she goes through the staircase, she goes through the hallways, but what I find out is I endeavor to draw near to God that I don't always make it to my father's bedroom. He meets me before my feet ever hit the floor and I get out of bed. If I'm walking up the staircase of calamity, he's there. If I'm walking down the long corridor that feels lonely and empty, he's there. Because I've made that conscious effort to say, God, I want to do the things that would draw me near to you. I want to be conscious in what I do. Amen? I think the next key that jumps out to me is as the journey begins, okay, as we take this journey, be responsive to the leading of the Spirit. Now listen to me. We need to make sure that we know the difference between an emotional moment where we fear the Spirit of God and then actually doing what the Spirit of God says. Okay, we need to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 16 says this. The Spirit himself bears witness in our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, so we have a spirit inside of us that when connected with God, we know because it bears, it says, yes, you are a child of God. Job 32 and 8 says, but is the spirit in man the breath of the Almighty? So God breathes into us and we connect with His Spirit. It's already built into us. Think about this. Whenever when We know that all Scripture is breathed by God. We know that man held the pen, but it was the Holy Spirit that wrote the Scriptures, right? If you think of Adam, Adam was breathed into, and it was not until he got the breath of God, it wasn't until he got the Spirit of God that he was just a corpse, but when he got that, now he's engaging in his community. He's making a positive difference. He's naming animals. He's doing the work that the Lord called him to do. 
So as we become connected with God, we have this opportunity to be responsive. Now, listen, we're going to face, as we are responding to the Spirit, we're going to face ups and downs, ins and outs. And that's okay. Don't let that knock you down or get you discouraged. This is what I know about a key. If I look at a key, it has what? Ups and downs, ins and outs. It's not until that I hand a flat key to the engraver that he begins to change it and mold it and shape it. And you know what I know about a key? I know two things about a key. A key can unlock the shackles and chains that might be having me down. As God navigates us through these waters, he turns us into a key. And it's to make us free. It's to set us free. But this is the next great thing, too. As it makes us a key, we could be a key to somebody else's lock that would set them free. Ray of hope. We speak the name of Jesus because we believe that it's going to bring hope. Darkness fears it. But it will make us a key. So these ins and outs, up and downs that we face, the failures, that's okay. God can work with them. But we still need to keep being responsive. We know that it's scary. We know that it's not fun. We know that God has called us to do things. Listen, we face resistance, right? If you're taking ground, you're going to face resistance. Be that key. Let it unlock somebody else's shackles and chains, man. And that also shows maturity and growth in the Lord. Amen? So we do face this resistance. Deuteronomy 31 and 6, it says, Be strong and courageous. Okay, we know that. But why would God say be strong and courageous? Because we're going to face some scary stuff. If we're taking land back, we're going into somebody else's territory that's not ours. The, the, the armor that God's given us is to cover up the front because he never intended us to retreat. The battle is in front of us. Pastor said it a million times. My rearview mirror is small, but my windshield is large because he wants us to go forward. Amen? We've got to go forward. Ooh, how about this? The last part of that, last little part of that verse. Do not fear or be in dread. We could face some dreadful things. Encounter confrontation. Uh, We're going into war, right? Sacrifice. Death. Some things that are pretty dreadful. But we need to be of good cheer. But we're going to face it so we can't be alarmed. Because God wants to rescue us. How do do we know that? Revelation 3 and 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What he's saying is, behold, Matt, I stand at the door and want to draw near to you. Would you draw near to me? Oh, and that knock, this is the beautiful thing. I know that we reference this for salvation, but God is constantly knocking us, knocking on our hearts to make sure that we walk down the straight and narrow. Because he even warns us, wide is the path of destruction. But draw near to me, Matt. I'm here for you. I'm here. Draw near to me. I love you. My wind of mercy and grace is too much to handle, and it's a beautiful thing. We've got to keep seeking him, okay? And listen, this is the cool thing. God doesn't change his direction. Listen, if God spoke to your heart about salvation, he still continues to speak to our heart. Amen? Let's not get it super complex. I mean, I know we can read the word and we get kind of confused sometimes, but remember, the Lord speaks to us and he guides us. Amen? This is another thing that we can expect. So we can expect resistance, but this is another thing. And and just quickly on resistance. So don't think you're doing something wrong because you're having resistance. Water doesn't have any resistance. It just picks, picks the least path and goes down it. Okay? God has said, no, I'm sending you. Turn aside because I've got a mission for you to accomplish. I'm going to send you forth. I think the next thing that we can realize is that God wants us to show fruits. He wants us to show results. I will turn aside. I will turn aside and see what the Lord is doing. Now listen, whenever we begin to see results, it might not always come in the way that we think the way that we seem. I think one of the things that I see here in Scripture is Moses is beginning to be open. 
So I'm going to take off the concentration of, of, of the livelihood, of, of being caught up in work and family and home, and I'm going to turn aside. I'm beginning to be open to what the Spirit has for me. Now, that openness might come. It seems so small, but it might come in the willingness, a willing conversation, right? I was a youth pastor down in Wichita Falls, and there's this young lady. She struggled with, 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 with a sin. She said, I don't understand why this is sin. And I think in my younger years, I would have sat down with her then and opened up the Bible and just tore through it. But I sat down. I felt a different pulling. I said, hey, let's do this. And guys, somehow, through at, an, at one of those yogurt shops, and I brought one of my youth workers with me so there wouldn't be just two of us, okay? okay. You got to do that. Protect yourself. You know, got to protect yourself. But through frozen yogurt, through walking through Scripture and having a conversation with her, she looked at me and she goes, wow, I understand now. And I guarantee you if I was trying to shove it down her throat... Not only would she not understand it, she wouldn't want to understand it, right? Here in the scripture, we also say it might come in the form of humility. It says that Moses, this time, he hid his face. He didn't hide his face because he was, he was trying to run away from the circumstances. He understood that this is a holy moment. That God's trying to, trying to get through me. And as God has taken us through the unknown, let's not be scared of it. Let's look at it as opportunities and holy moments. God, what are you trying to do in this position for me? What are you trying to speak to my spirit? What are you trying to teach me? that I could become that key. But pride cometh before the fall, so I need to stay humble and make sure that God's Spirit is connected with me. James puts this very well. In James 4, 13 and 15, he says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow. Will we go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make profit? Yet you do not, will not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you in the midst that appears... You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Interesting, James is believed to be written by, uh, by Jesus' brother. Just time frame and some other things. They believe that he is the one who wrote the book. However, if you, if you look back in John chapter 7, you see a part in there, John chapter 7 verse 5, where it says, for not even his brothers believed him. It was talking about Jesus. As a matter of fact, he said his brother's kind of got a smart mouth about it and said, well, if somebody's wanting to go see you openly, won't you just go do whatever you're going to do? And Jesus' response was amazing. He pulled back and he said, hey, he said, y'all go on to the feast. It's not my time yet. Y'all go and I'll come after you. Sounds like what Joseph said. Remember Joseph said, he said this, he said, he talked to his brothers and said, what you meant for evil, God has turned into good. We, that was never intended to be used as a weapon or a gouge towards somebody. As Joseph was looking at his brothers, it was more like this. Hey guys, what, what you intended was evil. But listen, God's got my back. Yeah. It, it's good now. Yeah. And it's so good that, that I want to provide. I want to be able to provide for you and, and your families. And Jesus' response is so similar to that. He looks down and he goes, Hey, y'all go on ahead. I'll catch up with you. Instead of strongly correcting them, he took on that face of humility because he understood there was something greater down the road that God was trying to take him to. And from that humility, he became the key to James, where now we have an entire book written by James because of possibly more conversations like that. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So good, so good. It's the response to Christ. We turn aside and, and, and in humility. Would the, would the team please come up? Would the worship team come up? 
I want to start, start, finish with a little story here. Scott Morse is a local youth pastor. He's moved up to the city, planted a church, and he was in a local church. And my friend was telling me about this story the other day. And he walked into Taco Bell. It was a normal Wednesday night, and he didn't really know. Well, he's just going to go eat some tacos. Anybody like tacos? I'm already making you hungry. Yeah, me too. Okay, me too, me too. Okay, so he goes in. He's just going to eat some tacos, and God begins to speak to him and says, Tell this boy behind the counter that, you, that I love him. And he's like any of us would be like, I don't know, man, I'm just going to eat some tacos. Is this me? Or is it the, you know, the Coke that I drank? What's going on here, you know? My stomach growling, you know? Okay? Some of you guys can relate because your stomach's growling. Yeah. Got closer and closer and closer. And God began to continue to deal with him, deal with him. Please speak to this boy. Please speak to this boy. He gets up and pays for his food. And he looks at him and says, I just want to tell you that God loves you. The boy throws himself over the counter, begins to cry walks out and hands Scott some bullets and said, I don't need these anymore. Because I was asking God today to show me that he loved me. It's not just enough to feel the Spirit of God, but be responsive to it on purpose. And from that, that boy's life's changed. This is what Psalms 43 says. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and your dwelling. As Moses was taking off his sandals, instructed by the Lord to say, you're standing on holy ground. What made that holy ground? God created the entire earth, but what made that holy ground? It was because he was about to encounter his Savior. He's about to encounter God. And if you're not saved this morning, we're going to do an altar call. And, and we want to make these altars holy ground this morning. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.